Welcome to Talking Giants Player Profiles and Projections. And today we are looking at the Giants' first round pick and the Giants' prize uh, free agent slash trade edition in Darren Waller. But we are starting with Darren Waller, who's six foot six, 250 pounds. He'll be 31 three days after the season opener. Coming off of two years where he's missed some games. You know, he's missed 14 out of the last 34 games after two full seasons uh, for the Raiders, was traded. Uh, with a third-round comp pick that was brought over in the Kadarius-Tony trade, as well as Trey Hawkins, uh, the draft pick used on that. Justin, this guy's a star. The only question mark is will he? how many games will he play? Yeah. Like, we'll go into it all. We'll talk about how he wins versus man, and how he wins versus zone, and how does he affect the offense. But it's just this guy is a star player, and the only question is, is how many games does he play? That's the only question mark with Darren Waller. How many games does he play? He has not been slowed down by injuries one bit. He didn't show that last year. He hasn't shown that at the beginning of camp. And you can see how excited I am. I have like 25 pages of notes. Yeah. I, I, I have not been as excited to watch a, a player since Daniel Jones as a rookie. Right. 2019 to 2020, he combined for 197 catches, almost 2.4 thousand yards. 12 touchdowns during the 2019 to 2020 seasons. He trailed only future Hall of Famer Travis Kelsey among tight ends and catches and yards during that stretch yep. while ranking fourth at the position for touchdowns. But forget that. That was a long time ago. 2019-2020 is a long time ago. 2021-2022, Waller has been a hurt player. But even, even at that point, Bobby, let's just say Darren Waller hurt this year for a portion of the Giants, plays 10 to 12 games. It's still a massive upgrade to this Giants team. Because really, the biggest downside to this Darren Waller acquisition is that he isn't healthy and he, and he doesn't produce. But even if he produces at the same rate at which he did in 2021 and 2022, it is still the best weapon that we have had in the passing game since Odo Beckham Jr. Well, also, like, he's missed 14 of the last 34 games. It's not like this guy has been just, like, out, right? Like, he's had some injuries, but I, I don't... It's not like... I don't view him as the same way as I view, like... Even Aziz Ojolari, where it's like, man, you got this, 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 and like, you know, and obviously not, you know, former giant Kadarius Tony, who was traded for essentially. But last year he had 28 catches, 388 yards. That would have been third on the Giants in 2022. The year before, in, uh, that was in nine games. In 2021, he had in 11 games, he had 665 yards on 55 catches. That would be second on the Giants last season. And then, like you mentioned, the 1,200 yard seasons the two years before, mm-hmm. only after Kelsey. But injuries, ha- the injuries are just. Is he on the field? They haven't slowed him down one bit. And also, when we talked about this when he was actually traded, why it's even like it's it'll be depressing if he doesn't if he's missing games. But it was also a very low risk move for the New York Giants. You yeah. traded a third round comp pick, and his contract at the time had no dead cap when the Giants traded for now him. Now it does. They restructured a little yeah, bit. Yeah. So like if they cut, so he his he's signed through 2026. If they cut him and this off next off season to be seven and a half mil, uh, uh, with dead cap, um, and then two and a half mil uh, the last the last season, mm-hmm. uh, or or, se- or be seven mil this uh, next season, five this season after that, and then two and a half the last season with fourteen and a half, fifteen and a half, and then seventeen and a half cap hits. Uh, you know the last three seasons but so there's not much risk even if the guy even if the guy had a career ending injury uh next year they would still save over seven million dollars in cap space by cutting him. the biggest risk is damn 
Darren Waller's not on the field. Yes, for us. that is that is the risk. It's the biggest it's risk. Like the guy that is going to tr- you know almost transform the offense won't be on the field. But he's just bigger and faster than everyone else. Mm-hmm. Like last year in nine games, I know you probably have this stat. Sorry to steal it from oh, you. No, you're going to take. Can I say it? Say it. Darren Waller, 20-plus yard catches by year. 2021, he had 13 in 11 games. 2022, he had nine in nine games. 2020, 16, 2019, 14, when he played the majority of games. Uh, Darius Slayton had 12 20-plus yard catches. Is this where you were going? Well, even just air, like 20-plus air yards. Like, okay. Ball, like well, let me finish this. Darius Slayton had 12 20-plus yard catches last year. No other Giants player had more than three receiving plays of 20-plus yards. And even in nine games in 2022, Darren Waller had nine, and that would have been second on the team, which is outrageous. But you're talking about 20-plus air yards. Tell me about that. Who led the NFL last year for tight ends in 20-plus air yards? If I had to guess, since Darren Waller was mostly an out-wide receiver, it would be Darren Waller. Darren Waller. Darren Waller. And well, that's just air yard. It's not air yards per attempt. That's just total air yards, just right? Ca- just catches of, of that. Or tra- the ball travels more than 20 so yards. So that's a volume stat. And he, the fact that it was in nine games is pretty impressive. Yeah. He led the NFL in those. Yeah. Um, let's just talk about him as a player. He wins. Like, he is bigger and faster than everybody. But he's also he, that's not just what he is. Like, he plays a very, very smart game. And it really comes down to re- the release. Like, he wins at the release. Whether it's someone trying to press him up, he has strong hands to throw those guys to the side. But he also his route tempo is elite. Like, just go if you want to go check out the film breakdown I did on him. I just went through the release on a bunch, and he, it's just like, man, this this guy is just smarter. He yeah. knows like he's just two steps ahead of DBs or linebackers, whoever they play on him, and he's just able to consistently stack them. And you look at him versus on man coverage. When he's going up against guys like Minka Fitzpatrick, James Bradbury, Derwin James, Fred Warner, and he consistently dusted these dudes in man coverage, dusted them, and that's in man coverage versus the best, the players who are supposed to be the best at covering Darren Waller, which is like if you had a guy who can cover Darren Waller, these are the guys, and they cannot cover Darren Waller, and that's why... He is so productive in the games that he plays. And that's why, like you mentioned, the two years he played full games, uh, you know, in the last four years, he was second only behind Travis Kelsey, who was arguably a top three tight end of all time. He's a Hall of Famer. Yeah. Yeah, like not even thinking about it, a Hall of Famer. Um, so he's just able to win those, and he can go up the ladder and adjust to the ball when, with high-pointing it, adjusting to bad passes, and then versus zone, like he works leverage really well, whether it's the quick game or the or downfield. He's able to manipulate defenders and get their hips going one way or get them going one way and then go the other. And then first your base zone defenses, he's just able to like go and out, outrun guys and find holes in it, and he's a big target. He is like a, he is legitimately an offense changer, offense changing player. He's an like. And I, we got heat when we said this. If you ask me going into the season, for the guys are there, they're going to play games. Who would you like on this team, Darren Waller or Saquon Barkley? I'm taking Darren Waller 10 times out of 10. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people would disagree with that. But I mean, th- throwing- I, I, I'm not. To me, it's not. I am adamant. Like, yeah. I don't think it's even close. Well, and you if know, you know I agree with you. If you ask me which player that we have to miss this season, it would be Saquon Barkley. Right, and that just comes down to throwing the ball and having a passing game that is explosive is you know more valuable than a running back that can get four and a half, five yards per pop. I also um, think Darren Waller is better at his position than Saquon Barkley is. And I know this isn't a Sa- uh, like a Saquon Barkley, but it's 
it's not to put down Saquon. It's obviously Saquon's a star. Yeah, it's to and, elevate and, Darren Waller at, at his best. It's to show you what I think of Darren Waller. Yeah. Like, I think that it's, it's just play games. Like, that's really all yeah. it comes down to with Darren Waller. Play games, and he is going to be sick. He's yeah. going to be so huge. We already see the connection with Daniel Jones in a week of camp. Like, they're going to be creative with him. We could talk about that and the projections because we don't need to project stats with him. We could just project how he's going to be used. Like, they're – this coaching staff, Daniel Jones' accuracy, I think is it, – it legit could get the best out of him that we haven't even seen yet with Darren Wall. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. And we know that he wasn't fully happy with his role with McDaniels. Like, they were putting him out wide, which is why I'm curious to see how how often he's been lined up out wide in camp. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But you were talking about him at the release. It's been, I've been coming to training camp since 2017. I've been a Giants fan for a long time. You know, I haven't been a Giants fan since like the 80s or the 90s. I'm not, I'm not old enough for that. But Darren Waller is unlike anybody that I've seen, I'll say since Odell Beckham Jr., as, as a weapon and as a receiver. Like, I didn't see Cruz in camp. I would have loved to see Cruz in camp and Cruz at the release. And I guarantee you that would be another one that he would just win. He would win the play right away. But even so, that was so short lived. Darren Waller at the release, for, especially for how big he is is like nothing that I have seen as a Giants fan. And it is a tremendous difference maker. Like, you know, I was, we, were talking about the, we were talking about the explosive plays and those are going to be there. But what we've seen so far in camp and what I'm excited for is just Darren Waller's ability to be a, be a quote-unquote security blanket for Jones where he can snap the ball and then that, that average time to throw of 2.5 to 2.7 seconds, Darren Waller is going to be open, and there is no waiting for routes to develop. We'll have those long developing plays, and Waller can be open on that. And there's even a, you know, Waller had 50 receptions on crossing routes um, over, since 2019, the third most among tight ends. Daniel Jones targeted crossers at the third highest rate in the NFL last year. So those explosive plays are going to be there, but also the, the quick developing plays and the short area quickness that Waller has. It's a total, complete package of what we got. He's unguardable. He is elite at every level of the field. And like you said, what you're doing is if you're going to put focus and double team, well, guess what? That's going to make other guys open. Mm-hmm. If you're going to man up versus the best safeties and linebackers manning up tight ends, he's going to defeat them. Yeah. You know, you can throw the ball to him 30 yards down the field and not yeah. have it be accurate, and he will go and make a play. And Jones has shown like this camp. Fitzpatrick. And Jones has shown this camp. And this has been a critique of Jones in the past. It's like, dude, I feel like. You know, maybe we got some guys that you can throw the ball to them and maybe they can go up and make a play. You, uh, guys don't have to always be totally wide open for you to throw the throw the ball. And we've seen it with Waller this summer. Jones says, I'm going to I'm going to see if you can go and get this. I'm going to put this ball in a place that maybe most of my receivers in the past wouldn't get. But can you go up and get it because you're so big and you're so freaky athletic? And most of the time this camp, the answer has been yes. And I love that Jones is experimenting like that because that is what, like those jaw-dropping plays, like that is what can make, you know, a game, you know, that's what can go like, you know, a third down stop and you can pump the ball or you can get an explosive play. It could be a touchdown or in a drive can continue and sustain itself. Let's talk about how, and here, let's put, let's say we've been super, he's a bad blocker. Okay. Yeah. Like, he, he is a bad blocker. And it looked like this past year there wasn't – this is questions of, like, with McD- – years before, it's like he at least showed effort. He didn't show the same effort this past year with the Raiders. Um, hopefully that effort is renewed with not being with Josh McDaniels. Yeah, maybe a little disgruntled, yeah. Who – I Josh McDaniels is maybe my most hated NFL coach of all time. <laughs> um, 
But I also think Josh McDaniels just misused him. Where Josh McDaniels had him in the slot 72% of the time mm-hmm. last season. If you look at his career before that, the three seasons before, he lined up in line between 59 and 65% every year. Yeah, Line him up in line. That is where he's going to be able to make the most of his mismatch. Obviously, you're going to line him up in the slot. Like, that's going to happen. But in line is where I think he can do the most damage. It, you know, you just get more mismatches out there. And, and that's what I want to see with him. But I think this coaching staff is going to be very creative with him. I think they're going to do, like, not full-on trick plays, but, like, plays that have some disguise of what they're trying to do. And in play action, I think it's just it's going to be deadly. Like, we know this coaching staff likes to use play action a ton, especially last year because of some of the deficiencies they had. But even, like, I hate to reference camp in these PPPs, but they lined up in 13 personnel with him, and they had all the tight ends on one side, and you're thinking, like, okay, even if they throw this ball, it's not going to be explosive. Nope, he catches a ball like 18 to 20 yards down the field out of that stuff. So I think there's – we saw how creative the Giants coaching staff could be last year, and that was without an elite receiving weapon. Now we have an elite receiving weapon, and I think they're going to be really creative in getting him the ball. So you you would predict that he is going to have – more snaps as an inline tight end than as a than as a slot slash outside wide receiver this year. I hope so. I think it's going to be close, but I I, I think it'll be closer than the fifty nine to sixty five percent in line. Yeah, but I want it to be over fifty percent at least. I think he's going to line out out wide more than in line. That is something to that will be something I'm monitoring during throughout the season. Yep. Not like when we go back and do a tight end review. Like where did it, no? That's something I want to monitor week to in, week in season. Yeah, week to week on seeing where he's lining up. And I wonder if they if that's like a a mid season adjustment that they make. Well, even if they do, it's like hopefully at least they do it better than Josh again. Josh McDaniels. I hate Josh McDaniels. Yeah. Um. So, but he seems refreshed. He seems happy, man. Uh, and I think him being with Daniel Jones, I think it's going to be really. Really nice to see. I mean, we've never seen Daniel Jones get to throw to somebody yeah. like that before. Can yeah. I make a prediction? Go for it. Uh, Darren Waller is going to win the Good Guy Award this year. Ooh, he will win the Good. That's actually he. That's going to happen. It's going to happen. That's going to. If, if he's healthy and he plays and he's available to the media, then he's going to win the Good Guy Award this year. He will win. All right. So remember, remember this when they vote on that. The odds are out. I'm putting a thousand dollars. Justin, why don't you talk to us about Manscaped? Manscaped. That's right. They're sponsoring the PPPs. They're sponsoring camp streams, and I can't thank Manscaped enough. Because they have the Platinum Package 4.0, and they want to take care of you, every single part of you, from the Nina, the Pin, to the to the Santa Maria. You know that song, Step Brothers? You want to yeah, we it? know it. Yeah, you know it. Uh, it's the one stuff. The Platinum Package 4.0, it's the one-stop shop for the man who deserves it all. They designed this package to allow you Isn't to... Isn't it sad that you, when you think of Nina, Pinta, and Santa Maria, you think of Step Brothers and, and not, not... the act- historical yeah. boats? Yeah. I probably do too now, but at least I started on the historical boats. Nope, I started right away with Step Brothers. Um, the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, we know about that. The Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, I am a stan for the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer and the Ultra Premium Body Wash 2 in 1 shampoo and conditioner plus deodorant. And they have so much more. Uh, I want you to get 20% off and. Free shipping with the code GIANTS at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. And use code GIANTS. Use the platinum package because the gold standard, it's no longer good enough. Get out of here, gold standard. I like platinum. Platinum. P's. P-P-P's. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Trim your PP. Mm. All right. 
Deontay Banks, cornerback out of Maryland. The Giants' first uh, round pick was picked 24th overall. They traded up uh, one spot. They traded the 25th pick as well as a fifth and a seventh round pick. And Justin, at six foot, 197 pounds, he had an elite combine testing with four, a four three five forty, a 42 inch vertical jump. Like he is a great athlete who does move around the field effortlessly in both man and zone coverage, and. He has, like, a, you don't see it with a lot of corners. He has a lot of press man uh, experience in college, and he has the athletic profile to pull it off. So you see the fit with Wink Martindale. And I remember I even tweeted about it in March before the draft. It's like, man, he's got some flaws, but I can definitely see Wink Martindale wanting to get his hands on Deontay Banks. And, and he did. And we saw that, and we saw how excited he was when they drafted him. We saw how big Wink's forearms were. Yeah, so it's... <laughs> that, was my, that was my note. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So after, you know, he missed his sophomore season uh, and then, you know, or he missed his second year in college after starting as a freshman and then came back last year, only gave up 43% of the passes targeted, did give up four touchdowns and had one interception, but eight pass breakups, overall 4.3 yards per attempt uh, when targeted. Justin, we'll talk about the scouting report and this will be a lot like the draft recap and we've seen some of that stuff come the first from the beginning of camp, but I've fully expect ro- like rookie struggles for Deontay Banks like and for the for Deontay Banks this season one the Giants do want to win games so I do want to see him be at least close to good by the end of the season he's a first round pick you know yeah there's there's big expectations on him we should see growth by the end of the season but I I'm not expecting that in the beginning of the season but I do want to see some linear growth throughout the season uh but I do ex- I expect the Giants to give him help uh but also, like, hey, they're gonna they're gonna be put in situations where he's gonna need to be trusted, and hopefully, I don't I don't want to see at any point in the year where he's just flat out picked on and he is yeah like a meme for how bad he is yeah. But there will be struggles. Deontay Banks is now the first pick that we're gonna have as Giants fans, where it's like, yeah, this is this is where we should be picking from now on. You know, yeah. no no longer the top ten players that. Or you know you you feel like they virtually should be just slam dunk players, but the Deontay like the Deontay Banks pick and Deontay Banks as a player is like well you know this is really the the big test for Joe Shane to be like well if we're going to be picking in the back end of the first round from now on like we want to um, you know can we pull out some good players and corner corners a risky player I, I I think banking on this is just me personally I'm a fan I'm a Giants fan I'm a fan of football and the Giants are my favorite team. Anytime that we pick a corner in the draft and we're going to be investing in them and we're going to be trusting them to take a big leap, or especially if we draft them early on, like in the first and second round, I get nervous, man, because it's a really, really difficult position to transition to. And especially since Deontay Banks was, you know, touted as like maybe this late first, you know, maybe early second round grade. Like what grade did you have on him? A high second. A high second Which round. Which in this past draft turns into a late first you know so we're you know a guy with with that kind of grade on it uh on him we're going to be trusting basically in year one to be a starter that makes me nervous but i like the athleticism i'm trusting the athleticism and i'm also trusting jerome henderson to get this guy right because jerome henderson has gotten a lot guys that have had worse athleticism and probably a worse profile than deontay banks and they've been fine yeah and we do like you see great corners you look back at it and like they should, like let's just go look at the Giants best two corners recently James Bradbury and Adore Jackson or Dory Jackson did struggle as a rookie I don't know how much but like James Bradbury as a rookie was maybe one of the worst corners in the league that year mm-hmm. like got like he was picked on but obviously he was a, uh, a late second round pick compared to a late first um 
But let's let's talk about him. He is a great athlete, like I said, who moves effortlessly around the field. And he has reps of press man coverage where it's like, this is sick. And not a lot – like, even against Marvin Harrison Jr. who was a cool game. Like, you go watch, like, and go, you know, just search, you know, Deontay Banks, Marvin Harrison Jr. There's reps where he is pressing – he is – I mean, he is – Bullying him. He is getting in Marvin Harrison Jr.'s chest. So he has all that ability to be that strength, play with that demeanor, and the speed to stick with guys. And I think he's got – He's never going to be an interception guy, but he's good at breaking the pass up guy. Yeah. You know, he's kind of good there. Which that seems like a theme in Wink Martindale's defense. Low interceptions for the corners, but you still need to make a play on the football. Yeah. So he's going to, he, like, he fits what this Wink Martindale defense wants. And, you know, to quote great, uh, the great, the late great Dave Gettleman, you can never have enough press corners. Like, Con- it's, it's, it's the me. tight, like, corner, you can talk about this system, this system. Press corners fit in every single system. Mm-hmm. Whether you're playing a base zone, like you can put a, a press corner in that system. Um, like he's got great change of direction speed and break on the ball. Like he's coming out of his back pedal. He's, I mean, it's effortless and he explodes out of it, which I think he's going to be better at zone to start in his in his uh, in the NFL. Um, but where I do worry about Banks is as much as you see the highlights at the start of reps and press. I think he loses the release way too often and is often playing from behind. And you can get away from that in college. You can't get away from that away with that no. in the NFL. You have to be much more consistent. You can't just have highlights at the line of scrimmage. You have to be consistently good at the line of scrimmage if that's the way you're going to play in the NFL and you're not going to play in like a, you know, an off-man coverage type system. You have to be consistent because you can be great 75% of the time, but if you're really struggling 25%, you're giving up 80 yards a game. So that's where he needs to get better to me. I think if he gets better there, I think all of the other issues will improve. But it all starts at the release. And we've seen it at camp um, where it's like he just loses the release and he's five yards behind. Yeah. Um, or he's overextending and guys sit on a route and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's continuing the running. But I think it all starts with the release um, and some overthinking uh, and man coverage. And but tell what, me why in zone – like losing the release isn't as well, you're in, demanding you're, if you're in man. For the most part, you're starting in a backpedal. Yeah. And he's got all the athlete, like, you know, he explodes out of the backpedal. Like, he's got good instincts out of that. But you're not – the release as, isn't as important. And right. that's where he, he just he just looks more comfortable there. Like, obviously, he's drafted to be a man coverage, but he looks more comfortable playing in those zone coverages, like kind of reading and reacting yeah. instead of like let's let's just go one on one. But so, once but once he's connected, if he does win the re, you know doesn't lose the release, he does stay in the hip pocket of receivers and obviously has the athleticism and, and ability to like make plays. So do you think if they ask him to not jam as much or to not be as physical, where simply he's just focusing on his footwork footwork and he's getting kind of out of his like two point stance? Do you think that can make his job easier year one? Or is it a little bit more complicated with that? We're being, we're yeah, just I mean, his, foot, his footwork is iffy right now. Like, okay. it's, it's hit or miss. So it's not just when he's pressing guys up. It's okay. just he loses the release with bad footwork at the start. Um, but like you said, when you're in zone, you're starting out of a back pedal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, if he's just playing press and not jamming guys, there's still a lot of issues there. But eventually he's got to get better at that because yeah. that's what he was drafted to be. That's yeah. what his athletic profile says. Yeah, if receivers aren't running – if receivers are running, like, clean streaks – um, without any kind of like nuance to their game. I'm not concerned with Banks kind of like allowing just like a 
big 40, 50 yard bomb down the field because he's, he's going to keep up. But I think it's when receivers kind of add the fancy little nuances to the, to, to route running that, that maybe, that maybe they'll struggle, especially at the start and especially at the release. So he, th- that's where you see the speed and the, you know, the change of direct, you know, I was not maybe the change direct, but that's where you see the speed really come in is he can keep up with guys running down the field. And also another area that uh, I know the grump talked a lot about this and I saw this too at certain times, you can send him in on blitzes, and I know this is going to be a very low percentage of the time, but Wink Martindale likes to do this. You can send him in on some blitzes, and it's going to be fun. And he doesn't need, like, a running start either, where a lot of times you'll have corners kind of, like, show and fake. Like, they're going to, they're in, like, that running stance. Like, okay, I'm going to come in blitz, and I'm not going to drop back. He can be kind of, like, in that two-point stance where he is square towards the line of scrimmage and square towards his receiver, but then he can break just as effectively if another corner is lined up in that sprinter stance like he's going to blitz. So I'm excited to see what Wink Martindale um, can do and how maybe they can get it, they can get creative with Banks. Yeah. Last thing, he was very grabby in college and got a lot of penalties. So, like, he would get beat on the release, like we said, and then he would just, like, tackle mm-hmm. guys. So that's something that needs to be cleaned up. All right, anything else on Deontay Banks? No, it's – and I, I kind of have here um, – Banks is a guy who I have hoped for that he has a confidence and a swagger to him. And, and I think he does. Yeah. It's like so that's the that's like just don't lose your confidence and put in the work. Yeah. I think he's gonna be a good player. Yeah. And like I hope you're one if there is going to be some sort of struggles, I hope it's not enough of a struggle where he's looking himself in the mirror and being like, damn, can I can I really do this? Which, hey, we've seen corners in the past. Like, I thought Jeff Okuda was going to be the the cleanest prospect out there. And now he's on his second team, and, you know, he he's it's not looking too good. He, you know, that second contract of being that, you know, top end of the first round draft pick, it, that second contract is not going to be pretty, and it's not going to match what he got. He's going to get a one-year minimum, dude. Yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be crazy, so... Um, you know, there's. I hope that Deontay Banks has that confidence and swagger to him, and I trust that Joe Shane and the staff, like they, they value the character of a guy. And I know that Banks is going to have it, and he's going to battle through whatever struggles he's going to have. All right, that's a PPP. We will see you guys tomorrow. Until then, let's go big blue. <laughs>